You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone. I am so excited because I have Victor Vincent on the line. Now, Victor is part of my local community and he does amazing work. We've known each other for quite some time and I wanted to get him on just so he can talk about what he does and maybe spark somebody else's interest in it. So, hey, Victor, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for being up with me this morning. So what I wanted to bring you on about was your organization called the Reentry Expert. So if you can give us a little bit about what the Reentry Expert is and then kind of how you got started. Okay. The Reentry Expert, Victor Michael Vincent Jr., the Reentry Expert Incorporated, is a nonprofit geared to helping men and women who faced incarceration, who have judicial experience, achieve success. Um, And we do this by sitting down with clients and figuring out what they love to do and setting them on career paths according to what they love to do. Um, I have this old philosophy that God gave every man a talent, every woman a talent. Let's figure out what those talents are and let's get you earning income based on that particular talent. Um, Being somebody who's formerly incarcerated, I understand the makeup of that prison system. And I feel like it's my job to keep people of color, black and brown people out of prison to have that monster turn on itself. And when it starts feeding on itself, because it's fed on us for so long, eventually when it starts feeding on itself, it will destroy itself and we will create a new kind of system on how we deal with people in poverty, how we deal with people who break law and how we deal with crime. Um, For some reason, that system is based on Um, attacking people from poverty, but we know white-collar crime goes on all day long, and most of the time, it's not even addressed. Mm, You just said a whole mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, this you speak in my language. So let's dive into that a little bit, um, because I know I made a post on Facebook not too long ago where I talked about white-collar crime and how it's the least prosecuted, but it causes the most damage to people. And when you gave that take, I said, oh, <laughs> like the monster <laughs> needs to start feeding on itself. Then they'll have to find a different population to then target. Um, so that way they can keep making the money because, you know, it's all about money. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, okay. Yeah. So oh, go ahead. <laughs> and when you look at it, um, the U.S. makes up for five percent of the world's population. But we have 25 percent of the world's prisons. When you talk about that criminal justice system, the state government spent $55 billion on corrections in the year 2020 alone. There were more than 102 million people in prison in 2020. The U.S. spent $80.70 billion for prisons, plus another $3.9 billion on private prisons and jails. And a lot of times when I look at those numbers and I look at those statistics, um, being somebody who's not necessarily a numbers person, but knowing where the gaps are in our community when it comes to dealing with our elderly and them getting their medications, 
and also dealing with our children in school, not having school supplies and books. And if you look at that number, man, we're talking about $80 billion and it's $83 billion um, and how we could use that to better serve our communities. Absolutely. I am so with you on that. That is a lot of money, Victor. <laughs> and, and the thing about that criminal justice system is because we've been kind of conditioned, they flood us with horrible, violent stories on the news. So we don't even think about the money we spend with the criminal justice system. When you look at every other system in America, um, we look at the money the school system spends what the superintendent makes, what the schools get. When we even look at the military, we look at like how much we spend in the military and how much we fund stuff through the military. But you never see a story on the news about how much we spend in the Division of Corrections in that judicial system because it's unregulated, it's unmonitored, and it's a monster that just eats up everything in its way by driving itself, by putting fear and separation within ethnic groups within our communities. We fear each other so much that we're willing to constantly throw money into that system because there's a fear that my neighbor may hurt me. This dude down the street may hurt me. So let this beast just run. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, mic drop after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's real. And, you know, as someone that does have ties to the criminal justice system and also just the judicial system in general, um, it's a mess. <laughs> it really is a mess. And, you know, with all of that being said, where do you feel we should start? Like, I know this is a huge issue and, you know, we can't solve it overnight, but just from your perspective, where does this um, fixing or healing of the system begin? Okay, let me say this. First of all, people of color have to recognize that there were four devastating periods when it comes to people of color, African-Americans and Blacks in this country. And those four major Areas of destruction were slavery, Jim Crow, mass incarceration, and community chemical infiltration. Now, when we look at all four of those things, people of color don't link those four things together. Usually, the only thing we can see is slavery and Jim Crow. We have this taboo that believes that people break law because they choose to, because there's something wrong with them. Um, and they are lazy. And when you think like that, you're really not addressing or you can't see the bottom root of the issue. Um, it's like a friend of mine, Dana Daughtry, says, you're trying to treat a gunshot wound with a Band-Aid. Um, those four things are the reason why we're in the state we're in. And when you look at that drug trade or you look at the violence that goes on in our communities, Black people aren't responsible or manufacturers or creators of any of these devices that come into our neighborhood. We don't grow opium. We don't manufacture cocaine and grow cocaine. Um, all these things that have been put in our communities, we aren't responsible for even inventing these things. However, when you look at opportunity, I always tell people, I don't like the word job anymore. I like using the word opportunity. And when you look at people from the inner city, 
usually the closest opportunity for them coming into their teens, into their young adulthood is crime. Because most of the jobs that we want are outside of our communities. And then you would have to look at the 1968 rise, and that would tell you that when uh, you had this disruption in major cities, people fled the inner cities and they took the manufacturing plants with them and put them out in the counties. So when you go into a black inner city, in, in most inner cities, you go into black communities, there are no jobs there. They have to catch the bus or drive to a job, which is an opportunity. So if we could bring back those opportunities to our community and engage our young folk with opportunity, they're less likely to commit crime. So you would need a three-pronged approach to deal with the violence and the crime in America. And one of them would be getting into the communities, figuring out what the people in the communities really want. Like, yo, what do you want or what do you need to make you happy and successful? Then we have to take that same approach to the school system. And I'm talking about in middle school and really elementary school, working your way up, creating opportunities for these kids to say, hey, when you graduate, this is an opportunity for you. But if you don't want this opportunity, here are three other alternate choices that you can take in your future. And then we have to go into the prison systems and ask the guys in prison, like, yo, what would it take for y'all not to come home and commit crime and help us help the people like you in our communities? Um, I've been pushing for um, schools to bring in the top dude in the street who is getting all the money that's in prison right now. Bring that dude into the school system, orange jumpsuit, shackles and handcuffs, and let him talk to the kids. Because what I noticed about drug dealers is every couple months, there's a new hot dude riding around in that Mercedes. And nobody thinks about what happened to the other two dudes that used to have the hot Mercedes because out of sight, out of mind. But if you bring them back and kids can see like, wow, this is where that took you. Man, I don't want that. And it would aid towards, not necessarily stop, but it would aid to give our children another avenue to become successful as opposed to seeing the glamorous part of the lifestyle and not the ending. We never see the ending. Oh my gosh, y'all. My neck is tired from from nodding my head so much (laughs) while he was talking. I kid you not. But um, you said a mouthful. So there's a few things that I want to hit on. So first and foremost, shout out to Dana, Gate City 180. Definitely check him out. He's an awesome dude as well. But also what you said at the end there, when you said, give them that Um, perspective, you know, give them that perspective, because if they're only seeing the glamorous side, if they're only seeing, oh, like I can have whatever I want, I can get all this money, but they're not seeing the other side and what could possibly happen. Um, Or, you know, another approach, and this might be a little much for elementary, but maybe middle school and high school, bring in the families of the people who lost their loved ones from being in being like doing whatever they did, you know what I'm saying? Or, or doing, um, cause that's another perspective as well that you don't really hear about unless you're close to the family. You know, there's a lot of people that are losing their lives. There's a lot of people that are being incarcerated for these things. Now, of course, for me, there's so much, like you said, that needs to change as far as policing and incarceration and things like that. But, you know, 
the kids do need to see the other side of this. Like, what can this get me? <laughs> because, you know, if you're constantly seeing the glamour, then and not seeing the downside, then what decision are you going to make? You know, as someone that's listening to this, if you were in that position, what would you do? You know, and it has to be a point where elderly black people come out of the church, come out of corporate America, take off that suit and tie and sit down with me and let's engage in a conversation. Um, when you look at the things that affect our neighborhoods, like when you look at heroin, yo, black folk had nothing to do with heroin coming here. It really was the Asians um, doing the uh, building of the railroads because opium was grew over there in Asia. And when you look at the Harlem Renaissance and the blues, um, the French imported a lot of heroin um, into United States to make money. And if you're watching TV, um, these new TV shows and movies will give us a false history, like Bumpy Johnson was responsible for the heroin trade in New York, or uh, the dude from Carolina, an American gangster, was responsible for heroin um, in New York, in the United States. No, it was the French doing the French Connection, which created the opioid epidemic. And if you look back before that, it was Bayer who was using it in car syrup and selling it behind the counter that created the opioid use in the United States. Now, that's just heroin. Now, when you look at cocaine and crack cocaine, you have to look at the Iran-Contra on how America allowed uh, South Americans to smuggle and sell cocaine into the United States to fund a war in South America. So it's like, wow, like, yo, how are these things our fault when we didn't create this problem? Did we fall into it? Yes, we did. Because at the end of the day, we all want to be successful, especially men. Um, Black men want to be successful. I want my wife to look at me like I'm a king, like I'm a leader. I want my kids to look at me like I'm a great person. I'm a great provider. But when we also look at the job force, I'm going to say something to you that people don't even talk about. I've seen people destroy people in the workforce. I've seen African-Americans create an environment and run another African-American person out the workforce, Mm -hmm. usually three or four of them. But they don't see that as being a problem because they're not selling narcotics. They're not shooting anybody. However, you're leaving somebody in a desperate desire position, and we don't know what this person is going to do when they out there and they can't find income. Because I have watched women who had nice jobs get bullied and chased out of the workplace and end up going into a relationship with a dude just to survive who was abusive. Mm-hmm. I've seen women lead a job, go out of the workforce and start drinking and using and then tricking. Um, I've seen dudes say, like, yo, the next time this dude say something to me, I'm going to put hands on him. Do it. Go to prison and end back out in the streets. So we as a community have to sit down and start having these taboo conversations and look at each other like, yo, this is not your creation, but how do we create something that you don't feel the need to have to go out here and break law and bring more destruction into our community? When we can get real about it, we can start solving the issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's one thing that my friend Will Dungy, shout out to Will as well. um, He says he's like, you know, 
people act like crabs in a barrel, but you have to ask yourself, how did they get there? You know, crabs, that's not their natural habitat. It's not in a barrel. It's in the ocean. (laughs) So how did the crabs get in the barrel in order to act like crabs in a barrel? Um, So I wanted to mention that as well. But then also when you said sit down and talk with you, one of the quotes that I love to tell people and that I love, you know, in my personal life is that it's hard to hate someone once you get to know them. And I feel like having these conversations, you know, as we're doing now, but also having these conversations with people that do this work in the community and also those in the community can really change a lot of perspective. (laughs) You know, you can get a lot of perspective from having these conversations. So with that said, Victor, if people were interested in learning more about you and learning more about what you do, how they can help, how they can get started, it. How could they find you? Uh, they can look me up on the reentryexpert.org. Um, they can reach me, reach me at the reentryexpert at gmail.com, or they can look me up as Victor Michael Vincent Jr., the reentry expert on Facebook. Um, or <laughs> a lot of times you can just turn into Facebook and see me out in the community somewhere um, doing something or another. I like to use Facebook as a means to show people, hey, you don't need millions of dollars to bring about change. That's all you have to do is bring the will and the want, and that will bring about change. A lot of times, and I'm real particular about who I let my clients work with or or who um, I send them to, because I had to tell a dude one time, like, because he wanted to help. Like, well, let me be a mentor and talk to your clients. And I was like, no, nah, bro. Well, what's wrong with me? I said, yo, your mind's too focused on getting rich. Mm-hmm. I said, God didn't design everybody to get rich. And I said, and when you're talking to a dude from the streets and you constantly talking about Louis Vuitton and all this old expensive stuff, that will twist their mind to start thinking, Man, I don't I don't care that I love to do this. I want to get money. And money is not the end to our problems. Because if you look at it, a lot of extremely wealthy, um, they nasty, they evil, and a lot of them joke is crazy. So once again, if we could go back to opening ourselves up to have conversations to figure out what we love to do. Um, investing in our own communities, working within our own communities to better our communities, doing our own community policing. Um, It's a shame that drug dealers live in the same neighborhoods with homeowners and people who want to be successful. Um, Somebody has to tell a drug dealer, like, yo, I'm sorry, but y'all can't do this right here no more. Um, but if you're telling them they can't do it, you have to provide them with an opportunity to earn income somewhere else. You can't take something from somebody without giving them something. Um, and when we recognize like, oh, that's how this works. Yo, I'm taking the streets away from y'all, but I'm giving y'all this opportunity to earn some income. And and if you don't choose the opportunity to earn income, I will call the police on you. Um, it's just as simple as that because I don't want this in my neighborhood because I want a better life for the kids growing up in this neighborhood. And when we can have those conversations and create those avenues, I don't see it being as big of a problem as it is right now. 
Yes, yes, we need solutions. And really quick, y'all, so I will have all of his links in the show notes, so definitely check that out. But I want to brag on Victor real quick uh, because he put on an event in the community where he had artwork from formerly incarcerated and some of his clients and things like that. And these brothers are talented. They are talented, y'all. It was a wonderful art display, and I really appreciated that. And it's stuck in my mind. Um, I know it happened, you know, maybe like last year or the year before, but it made that much of an impact on me. So I wanted to brag on him real quick about that. And those are some of the little things you can do. Like he just went to a business owner and said, hey, can I use your space? Set up the artwork and had a whole art show. And it was fantastic um, to bring awareness to this issue. So thank you so much, Victor, for the things that you do in our community. Like I said, if you want to connect with Victor, I'll make sure I have all his information in the show notes. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. You're welcome. You're welcome. And Tiffany, I'm going I'm, I'm to say something about that. Um, I grew up with some of the most talented dudes in the world mm-hmm. uh, in Baltimore City. And a lot of those talented people died in the streets, serving time in prison, or lost an addiction to alcohol or heroin. And the only difference between a successful person and a non-successful person is sometimes the input and the investment somebody made towards the person that's successful. So when we can go back in our communities, invest in our people, we will see a change gradually start to happen and it will better our communities. But thank you for coming to the art show. Um, I really enjoyed doing it. Um, I was asked to do another one. So we're in the process of thinking about how to do it um, where we can really get some of our local talent. And I would like to have poets and Mm -hmm. uh, rappers um, just come out and display their talent to let people know like, hey, let's invest in this. Let's invest in this person right here. Let's see what he can do. Yes, yes, I love that. And I will be there if you have another (laughs) one because it was fantastic. And y'all, I mean, we could talk about this forever, but please listen to what Victor said um, when it comes to engaging with the community reaching back, you know, my philosophy is uh, rise and lift. So as you're rising, lift someone else or a group of people along the way, you know, because that's the only way we'll we'll be able to change our trajectories. So I appreciate you once again, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. You too. You too, Queen. Have a blessed one. Bye. Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at moneytalkwitht. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient.